heaven or talks about eternity or talks about, uh, you know, the eternal, you'd be missing 60% of your Bible. Guys, is, does heaven matter? Heaven really matters. Why is half of, over half of our New Testament talks about heaven, talks about the eternal? We have to we have to understand heaven. Heaven matters. Heaven matters. When we understand heaven properly, we will live differently. When we understand heaven properly, we will live differently. And when we understand heaven, now we can be ambassadors for Christ on the earth. We can't bring heaven here if we don't know what heaven is like. And so heaven matters. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the fact that heaven matters, and we're going to dig deep in that. So amen, amen, amen. So today, we're going to talk about honoring God with your body. This is going to be a one-time message. We're not doing a series here, uh, but we're going to talk about honoring God with your body. And so, um, you know, I I had heard a message. And it was very encouraging to me uh, that we as Christians need to be healthy. Christians, uh, it's said, there's an, there's an article uh, that says that Christians are the most overweight people on the planet. It's not my opinion. This was a study that was done that said Christians are the most overweight people on the planet. We're not just going to talk about over, overweight and eating today. It might be a large portion about what we talk about, but really what we want to talk about is Honoring God with our body. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and we should treat it as such. We should treat it with the care and the respect that it deserves. As you guys know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. The death rate is far greater for anybody who has a comorbidity, right? This is just a fancy term for saying for somebody that's already sick with something else. And so all the more reason why we should be healthy. We should try to live our best, do our best. God had set parameters for us on how to live and what to eat, and we kind of disregard them. You know, if, if I came in today and somebody had found out that I had gotten drunk over the weekend, which I hadn't, I, I, I don't do that. I've never been drunk in my life. People would have a problem with that, and you should. If I cheated on my wife, we as a church would have a problem with that, and we should. Right? These things are not okay. If I were to get angry all the time, it would not be okay. People would say, Pastor Matt, you have a problem. But if I came in and I, and I said, hey, listen, we went to Kay's Pizza and I ate two big pies, people would be like, yo, Pastor Matt, you're the man. <laughs> Kids would be like, I want to be like Pastor Matt when I grow up. He ate two whole pizzas. Every other sin is terrible, but gluttony is like, oh, you go. Yeah, I want to be like you. There's this thing within the body of Christ where we've made eating and overeating and um, really over enjoyment of eating, we've made it okay. And, and we shouldn't. We should, we should really put eating in its place. 
And so, like I said, I'm not just talking about being overweight. There is a thing called skinny fat. And I was skinny fat. I'll get into that in a minute. I was skinny fat. I am skinny. Uh, I, I can't put weight on. It's very difficult for me. Uh, but I was skinny fat. We're going to talk about skinny fat. And so you can be skinny and still be unhealthy. There are many things in our lives that we don't have control over. There's many things in our lives that happen. I don't have control over COVID. But I can control my eating. I can discipline myself. I can discipline what I put into my body, food or otherwise, so that I can reap the best benefit. And I can do that not because I want to diet or just be healthy, but I can do it because I want to honor God. And this is what the scripture tells us. I'm going to try not to make specific recommendations Right? I'm not going to say, hey, listen, everybody needs to go out and, and live gluten-free. Everybody needs to go. and you know, there, There's very few things that we could throw out a blanket statement and say, you need to do this. Because we all have different bodies. Our bodies all respond differently to any given thing that we're going to do. A couple of things that I will talk about, a couple of things that all of us can do to be healthy. Number one, drink more water. <laughs> back, when I used to have a, a, back when I had a more physical job, uh, I would drink almost a gallon of water a day. I've backed off of that gallon of water a day. I still try to drink a lot of water. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, too. I'm going to talk more about that. And we can all exercise. We can all exercise. Some of us have, again, back when I had a physical job, I didn't need exercise. I had a physical job to keep me fit. As I was preparing to come into the ministry, I've, t- I've shared this with you. The Lord spoke to me and said, when you become a pastor, you're going to have to run every day. Well, I didn't, and bad things happened. And so now I, now I run and now I exercise. We're going to talk more about that as well. And so there's a couple of quotes that I want to share, and then we're going to jump into uh, some scriptures. So bear with me as I go through a couple quotes. Here's the first one. Food is the most abused anxiety drug. And exercise is the most underutilized antidepressant. Food is the most abused anxiety drug. And exercise is the most underutilized antidepressant. Gluttony, we've already talked about this, but gluttony is not seen as a sin in most Christian circles. We celebrate food. It's, it's at all of our parties. We have potluck dinners. We have church picnics. We have pizza at our small group. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. There's no end to the list of events that we as Christians have where we're eating. And it's good. And I'm not saying we, we need to cut out the food. We can continue to eat, but we need to put it in its right place and in its right perspective. The problem happens because we, we treat anxiety with food. We become stressed, and so then we eat. I'm stressed. Open the refrigerator door. We come home. We open the refrigerator door. We're going to bed. We open the refrigerator drawer. We're on our way down to the watch TV in the family room, and we open up the chip drawer because we've got to bring something with us. <laughs> the family room in our house is where bags of chips go to die. They don't come back from there. They come back empty, go in the trash. We don't feel good, we eat. We're stressed, we eat. We get together, we eat. We're bored, we eat. We're sad, we eat. We're glad, we eat. We're gonna celebrate, we eat. We eat and we eat and we eat and we eat. We eat. It's right for us to enjoy food, and we should. Ecclesiastes says that there is nothing better under the sun for a man than to, to, than to eat and to drink and to enjoy the fruit of his labor all of the days that he lives upon the earth. We're supposed to enjoy the food that we eat. If you're not enjoying food, there's another issue. 
So we have to just be careful not to abuse food. Foods, especially food like junk food, will, will cause a dopamine reaction in your body. Dopamine's a chemical hormone that's released, and the danger behind dopamine, there's good dopamine, there's bad dopamine, but the danger behind dopamine is you get, you get the potato chips, and it's, the dopamine comes, and the dopamine goes, and there's this crash, the peaks, high peaks, right? And so, boom, boom, now you need something else. Oh, I, now I need a soda, boom. Uh, now I need uh, candy, boom. Boom, 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 boom. And it just doesn't ever end because the dopamine makes you feel good. And you want that continue. It's like a high. It's like doing drugs, except it's called food. Yeah. On, the, on the other side, exercise reduces stress hormones like cortisol. We treat anxiety with food because we're going to get the dopamine and make us feel good when we should be treating the anxiety with exercise because it reduces the cortisol that happens in our body. Exercise reduces anxiety. Not just immediately, but also over the long course, for the long haul. Exercise also increases endorphins in your body, which is a painkiller. It's a mood elevator. It brings your mood up. Listen, we as a people, God made us as human beings to work, to do physical labor. Before the curse, when God put Adam in the garden, he put him there and he gave him instructions. Tend the garden. Take care of it. Have you ever worked in a garden? It's not easy to even take the weeds out. It's still a lot of work. There's a lot of work that goes into a garden. So when God gave Adam the instructions to work in the garden, he was telling him, go and work. Many of us have jobs, and I now have a job, being a pastor, I now have a job that is not physically requiring of almost anything. Pastors, as an occupation, pastoring as an occupation, is second only to, I believe, um, anesthesiology in the rate of obesity. I'm, obviously, I'm the exception to the rule. But it's because, what do I do? I sit. I sit and I talk. I sit and I'm on the phone. I sit and I study. I sit and I read. I've actually, at, when I'm at home, I actually set my stuff up like this, and I'll stand and read because I can't sit for, I get tired of sitting for too long. And then, I get tired because I'm sitting, so then I drink coffee, more coffee, more coffee. It's not good. Our bodies were designed for labor. We need to labor. Even if you work 40 hours a week, you may need to add exercise. And this is what God had told me that, that I should do. Ecclesiastes says this, a laboring man's sleep is sweet. But the rich, while the rich stay awake worrying about their possessions... And so when you labor, after you've worked a good, hard, long day, you go home and you're out. You're right out. There's no, there's no not sleeping because, amen, right? You're tired. You worked all day. I'm exhausted. And so I say all that to say that we should all exercise. Here's another little quote, and then we'll get on to some scriptures. Health insurance has as much to do with being healthy as life insurance, life insurance has to do with being alive. In case you don't know, you don't get life insurance for while you're living. You get life insurance for when you die. The life insurance doesn't pay you any money while you are alive. It only pays your family 
money when you die. Health insurance doesn't do you any good when you're healthy. Health insurance only is good for you when you're sick or when you're injured. And so really we should rename these things. It wouldn't be very marketable. But it should be called death insurance. How many of you want death insurance? I'm not going to think about dying. You can just get at How many of you want life insurance? Oh, I want to live a good life. Yeah. How many of you want sickness insurance? I'm not going to get sick. How many of you want injury insurance? How many of you want accident insurance? We call it car insurance. It's on your car, but it's to insure you in case you get into an accident. See, they don't talk about the issue. This is great marketing. Think about it. We'll go back to food for a minute, right? The beef industry got it right, right? The pork industry did a good job. Chicken, what were they thinking, right? Beef is a cow. They don't call it cow. They call it beef. Pork is pig. They don't call it pig. They call it pork. Chicken's a chicken. They call it chicken. I'm like, this is the worst marketing strategy ever. It works. I mean, they're still eating chicken. Ah, you guys. We are a nation growing increasingly unhealthy. A recent report estimated, forecasted, that at the current rate, uh, 60% of Americans will be obese by 2030. Not just overweight, obese. 60%. Guys, that's a lot. Hey, guys, that's a lot. (laughs) 60% is not a small number. It's over half. We're well on our way to three quarters by 2030. Something has to be done. Something has to be said. And let us as Christians be the first to, to say, hey, I'll, I'll be the example. I'll do, what, I'll do what needs to be done. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to change something. I'm going to change one thing. If I could only change one thing. As Christians, we should be leading the way. We should be showing how this is done. Let's look at some scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this. It says, these are the commands, these are the commands, decrees, regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and, to, and, and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And if you obey all of his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and Be careful to obey, then all will go well with you. And so God in the Old Testament, in case you haven't read Deuteronomy in a while, he goes through and he says, you can eat this, you can't eat that, you should eat this, you shouldn't eat that, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. And there's this long list of you shoulds and you shouldn'ts, and it can get kind of boring. When, you're, when you dig a pit and your neighbor's ox falls into the pit, this is in, this is in the Deuteronomy, this is, right, this is in the law, and it gives instructions for all of these things on how we're to live. God didn't put those things there just to ruin our fun or just to give us lots of things to do. He put those things there so that we could live a long life. God knows what's best for you. He made you. When you get a car, when you go and buy a car, you get an owner's manual with it, right? And if you read through the owner's manual, it tells you how to drive, when to change the oil, how to do this, how to take care of the car, how to do everything. Well, God gave us an owner's manual with your body. And if we were to just follow the rules, we'd be okay. One of the rules, don't worry. Who of us doesn't worry? Worry is an epidemic in America. 
couple of things in the Old Testament. I think these things are fascinating. And I'll just throw them out and then we'll move on. God told us not to eat pork. How many of you like, like those little jelly gummies, you know, you chew them up and they stick to your teeth kind of a thing, right? Jujus and all of these things. Do you know what's in those to make them gooey and sticky and gummy like that? They use pork fat. It might say gelatin, it's pork fat. Unless there's a little K on the box, which means as kosher, they're using pork fat because it's really sticky. What does it happen on the inside? It sticks to your, it sticks to the inside of your arteries. You have heart disease. How much bacon can I consume and get away with it and live a long life? If you were to eat swordfish, they recommend that you only eat swordfish. These are just random things. They, only, they, they, they tell you to only eat swordfish no more than twice a year. Why? Because swordfish goes around the ocean and he eats up all the other little fishes. And what happens is there's mercury in all fish, a small amount of mercury. But when the swordfish, the big fish, eats all the little fish, he gobbles up all of their mercury and now he's got a very high level of mercury in swordfish. And so there's a higher level of mercury in swordfish. And they tell you that Cheeto should only eat it once or twice a year. In the Old Testament, if we were to follow the Old Testament law, you can't eat swordfish at all. Why? Because God said only eat fish that breathe through gills and has scales. That's not a swordfish. Can't eat it. I'm not saying you can't eat it. Old Testament, you can't eat it. Eagles, birds of prey, hawk, falcons, all these animals, same principle applies. They go around eating other animals, and their levels of mercury get very high in their bodies. That's why we're not supposed to eat them. God, and there's other reasons too, but God knew all of this ahead of time and spelled it all out so that people could live a long life. Something else that's in the Old Testament, not having anything to do with what you necessarily eat, it says that uh, you should let your field fall fallow every seven years, Right? You may have read this. If you're a farmer and you, as you farm the land, every seven years, let the land go, go fallow. Let it just be blank. And this is something that God instituted among the Israelites. They did it for years and years. How many of you know that in the 19th, before I go there, how many of you take a multivitamin every day? A couple of people. Where was I going with I take... I take a multivitamin. I try to do it every day. I'm getting better. My wife's been buying, buying them for me for years. And I, I'm okay. Once in a while, I do really well. And then once in a while, I do like three days, four days a week. I'm getting there. How many of you know that in the 1960s, Congress recommended to the United States people that they, every person should take a vitamin because the fields of the United States were depleted in the 60s and that they were, the food that we were eating was no longer nutritious. How many of you knew that? This is why nobody, Stephen knew. This is why, and Jason, this is why nobody takes a multivitamin, because we didn't know. Why are the fields so depleted? Because we don't let them fall fallow. That's one part of the, that's one part of the issue. There's, a, there's much more different issues today. And so if you want to get food that's more nutritious, go the organic route. I'm not saying that you have to. But if you want more nutritious food, that's the way to go. Also in the Old Testament, it says, um, you know, do not mark your body. Basically, no tattoos. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have a tattoo. God said it for a reason in the Old Testament. Why did he say it? He said it because back then the needles weren't real clean, and so people would get diseases and things. And it, they would spread diseases that way. And so does it make it okay now in the New Testament? I don't think anybody's going to go to hell because they get a tattoo. I personally won't have a tattoo. Why? Because I don't like the look of them. 
I won't get a, I say this, I won't get a tattoo for the same reason you don't put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. No one would do that. No one would do that. <laughs> I personally just don't like the way they look. If you have one, great. I'm not coming down on you. If you like it, I love it for you. And I don't think you go to hell because you get a tattoo. I don't, I don't think that. Um, it's just one of those things. And so there's all of these rules in the Old Testament. How do we apply and how do we apply them to our life? There's a key in the New Testament that we should look at to know how we apply some of this stuff from the Old Testament into our lives. Here's, here's what it says in Corinthians. Paul writes this. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. So this talks to the Old Testament regulations about what you can eat and what you can't eat, what you can eat, what you can't eat. And so can I eat pork? Absolutely. Knock yourself out. Can I have bacon? Go for it. Can I have triple bacon? Yeah, you can. But that's not going to stop the cholesterol from hardening your arteries. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things, I can eat anything I want, but it's not going to benefit me. I can, I can drink eight cups of coffee a day, and you can bury me at a young age. It'll kill me. Why? Because I tried it. I was, on, I was doing like six cups of coffee a day. My blood pressure was over 200. It was high. I was skinny fat because I wasn't eating right. And so I'll, tell the story, I'll, I'll interject this story here. When I first came on as a pastor, we had um, closed our business. We were transitioning, and we got new health care. Um, I forget the name of it. But there was a healthy incentive. And so if you had a, a low BMI and you weren't overweight and had good blood pressure, then you were good to go and you could get the healthy incentive. And so we, we did the thing, we looked at the stuff, and then we go to get our blood pressure taken, and my blood pressure is 220 over 110. They're like, how are you even standing? You should be having a heart attack right now. And I was like, well, you know, I had six cups of coffee today. You know, I, I sit and I read and I get tired, so I just drink another cup of coffee, and I drink another cup of coffee, and I drink another cup well, listen, that's skinny fat, my friend. I was so amped up on coffee, my blood pressure was like... And so it took me time. I, I worked with my diet. I, I, I did exercise. I got my blood pressure back down. It, but I had, to, I had to give up the coffee. I could drink the coffee. It's not a sin. I, I'm not even drinking the coffee because I enjoy it. I'm only drinking it because I know there's a caffeine fix behind it. And I'm drinking it because I want to stay awake and I want to do a better job. God, I want to do a better job for you. And so I'm drinking all kinds of coffee. And then I drop dead and I go to heaven. He's like, hey, you're here early. <laughs> what happened? You need to let off that coffee, man. So, here, so here's a good rule. <laughs> here's a good rule. Every time I drink a cup of coffee, I have to have a glass of water. I want to drink six cups of coffee a day. That's six, eight to ten ounce glasses of water every single day. Man, I'll be living in the bathroom. <laughs> bathroom break every five minutes. Hey, guys, hold, can we hold the meeting again? I, gotta, I just got to 
run to the restroom. I had three cups of, of coffee today. That means I had three cups of water, and I'm floating. <laughs> so my blood pressure was really high, and I worked at getting that down. I was skinny fat. And so just because I, I look thin on the outside doesn't mean that I wasn't unhealthy. I was still unhealthy. I could look real thin on the outside and still have high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I could have corroded arteries. I could be, you know, a walking heart attack. I get no sympathy for this, but I can't gain weight. And so eating 5,000 calories a day is a lot of fun until you have to eat 5,000 calories a day, right? We went over to dinner at Fred and Elizabeth's house uh, last week, and so they cooked, Fred cooked a wonderful meal. We ate. It was delicious. And then the next day we're talking. I, when I got home that night, I had to eat more food before I went to bed. Why? Because I get hungry, and then the hunger keeps me awake because my body processes at such a rate that I just have to keep putting food in it. You can't miss a meal. You just can't because you just get so hungry. You stop. And so uh, God really helped me with this through a period of fasting, and so you can look, and I'm thin, and I'll probably never have to deal with weight other than the fact that I can't gain it. For many of you, that would be a blessing. Once you have to eat 5,000 calories a day, it becomes very laboriousome, right? It's a lot, it just, it becomes unfun. It can steal the joy from food real fast. I could eat food and never enjoy it because I eat so much of it. I'll just, listen, this is fine. It's not great, but I'll be eating again in 30 minutes, so just, it's good. It'll get me over, <laughs> Uh, it's a bunch of different challenge. Most of you don't deal with that. We'll, we'll just come back to that. Interesting here in the scripture, it says, food's for the stomach and the stomach's for food, but God will destroy both it and them. God's going to destroy food and God's going to destroy the stomach. Does that mean that there's no food in heaven? <gasps> what? <laughs> no, there is food in heaven. Uh, the scripture actually tells us the, street, uh, the, hev- the streets of heaven are aligned with trees and the trees have fruit each in its season. And so we can eat those fruits. It talks about the banqueting table at the wedding supper of the lamb. There's a wedding supper of the lamb, right? So there's going to be a supper. And so we can eat. We can. I want to stress, we can eat, but we don't need to. It says, uh, it says in Revelation, it says, in heaven there is neither sun nor moon, for there is no need of them, for the Lord God gives light to everyone that's there. God gives us everything we need. We're nourished in heaven by God, not by the food that he hangs on the trees. It's God that nourishes us. Glory to God. You don't have to eat. You can. I love it. I love it. I can eat. What does this mean? I I can do all. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are are, are beneficial or helpful. I can eat fast food. I choose not to. Well, not so much. I very rarely... Once in a while, I stopped at Wendy's this week, guys. I can sit on the couch and watch movies and never move and become a couch potato. I choose not to. I like to do things that keep me moving. I like to exercise. And so there's lots of things that we can do, but they're all, not all going to be helpful for us. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised up. God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. As good as sex is, we must treat it with the respect and keep it in the parameters that God set. Right? Sex is good. 
in case you, you don't know, and those of you who aren't married who don't know, I'm here to tell you today sex is good and you look forward to it when you are married. But we have to keep it in proper context. Sexual immorality. The body is not for sexual immorality. And so the Jewish people have this thing, and they say there's five things. If we have them, and we have them in the proper perspective, they're great. But if we go too far with them, they'll destroy your life. And those five things are water, fire, sex, wine, and oil. Right? If you have fire, right, it's going to keep you warm. How many of you have a furnace in your house? There's fire behind that. And so the fire keeps you warm. You cook your food on it. It's good. A little bit of mishandling with the fire, it'll burn your house down. This is why you can't jerry-rig a furnace. Or you shouldn't. <laughs> you can. You shouldn't. Water is necessary for you to live. I've actually just recommended that you drink more water. But too much water will wash your house away. Too much water and you'll drown. Too much water will kill you. Sex in the proper context adds a wonderful aspect to your life. Outside of that, it'll kill you. It will kill you. Wine is another one of the things in in the five Jewish things. Wine is supposed to add benefit to your life if you choose to partake in it. But if you take it too far and become drunk, alcohol has ruined many, 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 many lives. And so because of that reason, many people choose to just abstain from it altogether. And the last one is oil, a little bit of oil. You need a little bit of fat in your body. Too much fat, high cholesterol, you'll die. If we use them properly, they'll add to our life. But if we abuse them and use them outside of God's limits, they'll kill us every single time. Moving along through 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined with a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of his body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins, sins against his own body. And as many of you know, uh, sexual immorality can lead to STDs. Uh, up until the 70s, I believe, uh, you, can, you can check this out, and I might be wrong, but up until the 70s, there was about four or five STDs after the free love of the 70s where everybody just started having random sex all over the place. The, the number of STDs shot through the roof, and I don't even know what we're at today. Last count, there was 20-some, 30-some. It might even be higher. Um, why? Because sex was automatic, just began to be used outside of God's context. And also, there are, there's what, ref, what in Christian world we refer to as soul ties. When, you, when you're intimate with someone in that way, there's a, there's a connection within your spirit. You become one. And so this is something that should be reserved for marriage. Sex is something that should be reserved for marriage, married couples only. Continuing in 1 Corinthians 6, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have for God? And you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit, which, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so, Whenever we have an opportunity 
to do something, we, we need to ask ourselves, will this glorify God? Right? Because I want to go beyond food here and I want to go into some other things. You know, smoking. Is smoking okay? Listen, I don't think that smoking is a sin that's going to keep you out of heaven, but is smoking something that's going to glorify God? Is it going to glorify God? I don't believe that smoking is a sin. Does smoking help your body? Absolutely not. It, it's going to make you sick. Does it glorify God that your body becomes sick? No, I don't believe it does. So it doesn't glorify God that I would smoke. Now, friends of ours um, took up smoking later in life. Uh, he, he, he and his boys started smoking cigars because he wanted to get to a point where he could have a better conversation with them. And what he found was that when he and his son would have a cigar together on rare occasion, once a month, he would just start to op- his son would just start to open up and talk like he'd never talked before. And so he did this with him like once a month. Is it okay? It's all right. It would, is it the fir- my first choice? Absolutely not. I've never smoked anything in my life. I've never even had not one cigarette. Um, uh, I plan on going to the grave not ever smoking anything because I don't want to. I don't want to open that door. I don't believe that cigarettes are good for you. I don't believe that cigarettes glorify God in my body. I want to take every single thing that I do and I want to hold it up to the light of, of God and say, does this action glorify God? Does me eating two pizzas, two whole pizzas, glorify God? Well, everybody in here might think that I'm the man, but, you know, something else might not. And so does it glorify God? I don't think that our overeating the fact that we as Christians are some of the most unhealthy people on the planet is any kind of a good testimony. It doesn't bring glory to God. And so we should all work towards being the healthiest person that we can. I had to discipline my body. I'm, I was skinny fat. I had a health problem. You couldn't see it on the outside. It doesn't mean that it wasn't there. So I had to work hard. I had to eat special foods. I had to refrain from red meat. I love red meat. I had to refrain from red meat because that's one of the things that can help bring your blood pressure down. I had to stay off coffee. I had to, like, one cup a day. I was on one cup a day. I'm like, how can you survive on one cup of coffee a day? I know, some of you guys don't even drink coffee. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants to come and dwell on the inside of you. God wants to come and dwell on the inside of you. He wants to take up a habitation. We are no longer our own. We've been bought with a price. Jesus fight. Jesus fought our battles, and he'll win them for us every single day. The Holy Spirit wants to live on the inside of you. I don't want to do anything that would ever upset the Holy Spirit. It says in, in Matthew, it says when Jesus was baptized, that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested upon Jesus. Imagine that the Holy Spirit's like a dove. And the slightest little thing caused the dove. Right? You've walked up on a dove. We have them around our yard. You walk up on a dove, and you, you, you just see them there, and they're like, whoo! They, they, there's that little cooing noise as they fly away. Shoom, shoom, shoom. They're, they're very skittish. They, 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 they fly right off. I don't want to do anything to offend the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do anything that would cause the Holy Spirit to withdraw in any measure. As a matter of fact, I want to do everything that I can to invite the Holy Spirit to come in an even greater measure. I want to get God on the inside of me increasingly. I want want there to be no end to the increase of the Holy Spirit in my life because when the Holy Spirit 
is in my life. Now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's God on the inside of me that gives me strength. It's God on the inside of me that gives me wisdom. It's God on the inside of me that gives me the victory, that gives me everything I need to succeed at life. It's not me. It's not my actions. I can help. I can discipline myself. Paul says, I discipline my body, and we do. But it's God on the inside of us who wins the battle. It's God on the inside of us who will speak for us. It's God on the inside of me who gives me words to speak even as I'm talking to you now. It's God on the inside of me. How do you get up and speak every single week without being nervous? It's God. It's God on the inside of me. It's not me. It's God. It's the anointing of God that's upon my life. And so we want to do, I want to do everything that I can to not offend the Holy Spirit. On your engage card, oh, one more scripture. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. You know, how many times do we do something or we're thinking about doing something and we get caught up in, I bet you everybody at church would think it's really cool if I ate two of these pizzas, three of these pizzas. I think everybody, everybody would think that it's really cool. What, what does the world do? What does fashion say? What's fashionable today? What's trendy? Does this, does this make me look thin? Wait a minute. What? God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. We're so concerned about what the world would say, what the world wants us to do, what the world wants us to look like, act like, be like, speak like. I don't care at all what the world... I understand and I want to be considerate of what the world has to say, but I'm not really concerned about what the world thinks. I'm more concerned about what God thinks. I'd rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. Every single day and twice on Sundays. I'd rather stand with God and be judged by the world than to stand with the world and be judged by God. And we're going to dive into this in the next sermon series, Heaven Matters. The things of this world, one of the scriptures that was up there on that video, the things of this world are temporary, transient, subject to change, and they're passing away. But the things of heaven are eternal. The things of God, the things of the Spirit, they are eternal, and they will last forever. Too far, too often, we put too much emphasis on the things of this world when we should be putting emphasis on the things of the next world. And so I just want to finish up this message, and I want to encourage you today, be healthy. How are we going to live a long life? By obeying the commands of God. Why should I do this? Just to obey God. He said it. I believe it. That finishes it. That settles it. I'm doing it. God said it. I'm doing it. God said it. I'm doing it. As you have an opportunity to do something, you know, ask yourself these questions. Would God want me to do this? Would I be, doing, would I be comfortable doing this if Jesus was standing here with me? Because he is. He's an ever-present help. He is omnipresent. He's always everywhere. He's all at the same time. He's watching. He knows. David in Psalm 139, even if I make my my bed in the depth of the darkest place. There, oh God, you are with me. God's with us wherever we go. Amen. Amen. So many times we take stuff into our bodies without thought or without consideration. 
This week, as you go through your week, think about what you're consuming, whether it's food or drink or otherwise, even what you watch on TV. You're consuming what you're watching. And so as you go through the week this week, think about what you're watching. Think about what you're consuming. Think about what you're eating. And think, is this going to make me the healthiest person possible? Why do I want to be the healthiest person possible? Because I want to honor God with my body and for no other reason. Let's honor God by making healthy choices this week. Let's, as Christians, be an example for what the world... uh, Let's, as Christians, be an example to the world as to what healthy looks like. Amen? On your Engage card, it says, this week I will be aware of what I take in. And so maybe you just, you know, many of us go through life and we're just not thinking about it. And so this was me. I just wasn't thinking about six cups of coffee or what six cups of coffee could do or the fact that it was going to raise my blood pressure. And so maybe we just need to be aware. And then this week I will glorify God with healthy choices. And so I'm not even going to spell out what that means. Maybe it's drink more water. Maybe it's exercise. There's a whole host. We could sit and argue over what healthy looks like. One person's going to have one opinion. One person's going to have another There are doctors to support both sides. And so we're not going to really discuss in depth what healthy means. There's a great book out there. uh, If you struggle with weight, there's a great book out there called Bod for God, the B-O-D, the number four, G-O-D, Bod for God. And wonderful, awesome book. And uh, I highly recommend it if it's something that you struggle with. The fourth element in his recommendation is that you get together with a team of other people and you do it together. And so there's something to be said about unity. And so, you know, maybe that'll be a small group in the future. Um, We covered both of those. If you're here today and I've been talking and you don't know what it means to have Jesus living on the inside of you, you don't know what it means to have that Holy Spirit on the inside of you, I just want to pray and I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. To become a Christian uh, is one of the most wonderful experiences in the world. Jesus died not only for our sins, but he died... He died for our healing, and he died for our deliverance. And so all three are available to us. And so, God, today we come to you, and we give you our life. God, we pray that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would bring us into your presence, that we could live with you. God, we pray that you would bring healing to our bodies. It's part of the reason why you died on the cross. And God, that you would deliver us uh, from any evil. God, that you would deliver us from uh, oppression. And God, that you would set us free. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.